0: If you owe the IRS back taxes that you can't afford to pay, don't let the IRS trick you into thinking you have no way out. Our highly accredited tax professionals will let you know what you qualify for and how much you can save. We may be able to stop all liens, garnishments, levies, and save you thousands. Call and see if you qualify for this taxpayer relief at 800-305-6762. That's 800-305-6762.
1: Good morning. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here at the Eric Erickson show all across the state of georgia glad to have you with me this morning uh we're having technical difficulties this morning don't expect to call into the program but i should give you the number anyway largely because you need it uh you need to remember it 877-973-7425. even if you can't call in this morning that's that's fine glad to have you with me uh, i will get to the republican convention before i do Obviously, the events in Wisconsin and the hurricane are are overshadowing people and and overshadowing events. And the media, of course, would much prefer to talk about the hurricane than talk about Mike Pence's speech. Uh, We will get into Mike Pence's speech. I want to begin with the thread, though. This is from uh, Christian uh, Trabert. He is the visual investigations reporter for The New York Times. And I want to read this thread to you because he tracked Kyle Rittenhouse's movements in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Kyle Rittenhouse, if you will recall, is the young man who uh, shot and killed uh, protesters in Wisconsin. He's been charged with two counts of murder. And I want to read you this thread. This is, again, this is a New York Times reporter who uh, used uh, live streams and other accounts to follow the movements of Kyle Rittenhouse uh, in the run-up to him shooting these protesters. So let me read you this Twitter thread. A teenager faces charges and shootings that left two people dead in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The New York Times Visual Investigations team reviewed hours of live streams to track 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse's movements during and leading up to the shootings. In the hours before the shooting incident, uh, several reporters interviewed Rittenhouse, who said he was protecting a local vehicle dealership together with several other armed men. He also offered medical assistance to protesters. Rittenhouse is around the area, and most of the footage reviewed. About 15 minutes before the first shooting, police drive past Rittenhouse and thank the group he's with. We appreciate you guys. We really do. They broadcast through the speaker of the armed vehicle. Rittenhouse eventually leaves the dealership and is barred by the police from returning six minutes before the shooting. To better understand what happened next, we synchronized six live streams, which revealed that there were two separate shooting incidents about one and a half minutes apart involving multiple gunmen. At 11.19 p.m., Rittenhouse is seen in this YouTube live stream. He's being chased into a parking lot. While he is being pursued, an unknown gunman fires the first shot in the air. Rittenhouse turns towards the sound of the gunfire as another pursuer lunges towards him. He then fires four times with his rifle and appears to shoot the man in the head. The muzzle flash of the first shot by the unknown gunman and the smoke rising from the handgun can be seen in this video captured by capturing the first shooting from a different angle. It's unclear why Rittenhouse was being chased or why he was in the area of this car dealership four blocks away from the one he claimed to be protecting. We do know vehicles in this lot were damaged moments before the first shooting. The initial shot and Rittenhouse's four subsequent discharges of his AR-15 style weapon are followed by three more shots in the parking lot. We don't know who fired them. Rittenhouse seems to make a phone call and then flees the scene. While fleeing the scene, Rittenhouse is again chased by several people. He trips and falls to the ground and fires four shots as three people rush him. One person appears to be hit in the chest while another who is carrying a handgun is hit in the arm. At the same time, we hear at least eight gunshots from further away. Mr. Rittenhouse gets up and begins walking north from the scene and eight more gunshots are heard from closer range. It's unclear who fired the other shots. Police vehicles just one block away remain stationary during the gunfire. Rittenhouse walks with his guns up towards the police as bystanders call out that he was involved in the shooting. The police drive by him to the scene of the shootings without stopping. Rittenhouse's social media profiles claim support for pro-police causes like Blue Lives Matter and humanize the badge. Other posts show him taking backyard target practice, posing with guns, and assembling a military-style semi-automatic rifle. We're continuing the investigation. That's the New York Times, um, and and this is this is important. And uh, the reporter goes back and clarifies that the AR fifteen is not an assault rifle. Had I left the word assault out of out of the thread because uh, I had seen the clarification, but even the reporter goes back and clarifies uh, that an AR fifteen is, is is not an assault rifle. Now, if if he was firing on people who were attacking him, he's not the bad guy. And Tucker Carlson is getting all sorts of hell for, for pointing that out. I don't think he should have been there, and I want to get to that. Um, but if he was firing in self-defense, he's not the bad guy. And this New York Times reporter, they've been able to piece together a bunch of live footage. I mean, that's the remarkable thing about this age is... The, the number of people who have cell phones and and uh, uh, GoPros and the like and can live stream their movements on YouTube and stuff. The New York Times was able to piece together a bunch of live streams to to track Kyle Rittenhouse, the shooter in Wisconsin. and you find that the police thanked him for being present and helping protect these car lots, uh, the, the protesters there were setting cars ablaze at different car lots. You find he tried to turn himself in after the shooting and the police drove past him. And you find that someone shot first and then whoever it was with other people, they lunged at Kyle Rittenhouse and he fired in self-defense as they were trying to attack him. Uh, if that pattern that the New York Times shows and this isn't me and this isn't me trying to justify Kyle Rittenhouse this is the New York Times which pieced together uh, a copious amounts of live stream footage and we're able to track the patterns here and it does appear from the New York Times's own reporting that Kyle Rittenhouse was protecting himself in self-defense as violent protesters were lunging at him one of the protesters who he shot and killed was seen earlier in the day uh charging people telling yelling at them to try to kill him and we also now have footage of the the, the the man who was shot by police. And it does appear that that it's not as first claimed by some, that they did try to tase him. The taser had no, no work. He wouldn't listen to them. He tried to get into his car. There was a knife in the car, uh, and it doesn't appear as some first claimed. And what we're seeing, and I think this is really important, and the reason I I wanted to go through the New York Times thread, and I'm appreciative of the New York Times for doing this, is we're seeing spin come out very quickly that is very sympathetic to protesters and very sympathetic to those shot by the police, and there is deservingly a lot of sympathy there because it turns out, based on cameras that we now have in our lives that we did not have 10 years ago, that these sorts of things happen way more often than we ever knew. But it also appears that not every case is a case wherein it was an unjustified shooting. And we're not allowed to nuance anymore, either police are bad or police are good. Either the person deserved it or the person didn't in every case, it's always, they always deserve it or they always don't. And we're not allowed to make case by case judgments. We should be able to say that the that George Floyd would probably be alive, and I realize there's there's examiner report out that he had fentanyl in his system; he could have died of an overdose, but he didn't die of an overdose. He died with a police officer's knee on his neck for eight minutes forty six seconds. This guy was tased by police, and that didn't stop him and they tried to get him to 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 not get to his car he tried to get to his car there was a knife in the car uh where he was reaching into his car it, this could have been something different and yet we are shaped now by people in social justice and in the media who are outraged by these things and the facts need to we need to let them breathe and no one wants to let the facts breathe I don't think Kyle Rittenhouse should have been in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I, I don't like the idea of people stepping up to supplement the police. And I realize some of you will disagree with that. But I think that if your local police are are hamstrung by your local officials, then that's an issue to deal with your election officials. It's not to deal with you supplementing. If you're protecting your own home or your own business, you have every right. I just don't think that the the – having kids like kyle rittenhouse come in to play police they don't actually have police training can exacerbate situations and i think the situation was exacerbated but i also think that if kyle rittenhouse is defending himself as the new york times seems to say the kid is not the bad guy and we of course aren't able to we're, we're not able to nuance these things anymore That Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have been there, but he was there, and if it was in self-defense, he's not the bad guy. The first guy, I'm uh, reading a a text from a friend of mine, so the first guy killed was a registered sex offender for actions involving a minor. The second guy uh, had repeated felonies for domestic abuse, assault, and battery. And the guy whose arm was shot off uh, as he charged the shooter with a Glock is a member of the People's Revolution movement who had previous convictions for possession of an unlawful firearm. Those are the three individuals who were coming for Kyle Rittenhouse. Again, the, the first guy was a registered sex offender. The second guy had repeated felonies for domestic abuse, assault, and battery and uh, the guy who was shot in the arm uh, was a member of the People's Revolution Movement with previous conviction for possession of unlawful firearms. I think that it is very relevant to add those to the conversation and to add in the New York Times fact pattern of what happened. I also think it is relevant to say that it is a destabilizing situation when, no, when non-law uh, law enforcement officials come in to serve in the role of law enforcement without training. They're not protecting themselves and their property. They're trying to do a service in their mind to protect other people's property. But it, it makes tense situations even more tense. But they are there because of failures of government. My personal philosophical view is that the failures of government should be a political issue to be dealt with by the voters of a community and uh, their their elected officials, not for people from out of town to come in and, and try to serve the role of the police. But they were there anyway. Whether I think they should have been or not, they were there. And Kyle Rittenhouse, of course, is now being accused of, of murder when it looks more and more like he was actually defending himself. And the New York Times evidence is very clear that someone not Kyle Rittenhouse shot first. And that is when Rittenhouse turns to respond and they try to lunge at him and he begins opening fire. And that's what the live streams show, multiple live streams show. And I think it's important to get that fact pattern right. And you can disagree with the analysis and you can have your own opinion and that's all well and good. But I think the facts do matter, and those now appear to be the facts. The New York Times pieced together those live streams, and, and this is contrary to what a lot of people are hearing in the media. And they're leaving out the fact that this kid was charged, someone else shot first, and he does appear to have been defending himself. You can dislike the fact that he's 17 with an AR, and you, like me, can say he shouldn't have been there Uh, serving in the role of the police. In his mind, he was doing a public service, whether you think that was right or wrong, but I do think context and facts matter even in this situation. And what is increasingly obvious in all of these situations is that no one really wants the facts to stand in the way of an emotional response. And uh, there are nuanced responses that should have, uh, should happen. And I, I, I totally think that the presence of these guys standing in for law enforcement exacerbates the situation. I also totally think that if you are charged by three men, one of whom shoots first, even if you've put yourself in the dangerous situation, and you probably shouldn't have, you still have the right to defend your life. And it is very clear from the records of the three individuals who were charging him uh, and the video of the one guy earlier in the day uh, that their intent was not to just Put him on the ground uh, or tickle him or send him on his way. It was something worse. And I got a real hard time saying that this kid is actually the bad guy.
2: Well connected and well respected. It's Eric Erickson
1: live every weekday. Um, A a friend of mine who was listening uh, sent me a link. Uh, Scott Parkinson is on Twitter. Scott Parkinson is the vice president of of government affairs at the club for growth. And um, one of the things that they, they point out is that uh, what Scott Parkinson points out is in this entire visual investigation, there are a couple of points that the New York times reporter and the subsequent reporting failed to add Uh, prior to the first shooting. Remember, We're talking about um, Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha, Wisconsin, charged with two counts of murder. Uh, Prior to the first shooting, remember, someone shot in the air as Rittenhouse was running from the rioters. And someone threw a Molotov cocktail at Rittenhouse. And then during the second shooting, after Rittenhouse trips, he was jumped by several men including another armed protester, and he was attacked with a skateboard prior to fi- firing those shots. Um, that, that, that adds even more context to the situation there. So um, the media wants to, to spin up that this guy is the bad guy, and I've got a hard time uh, trying to blame this guy. I've got a hard time um, wanting to to condemn this kid for defending himself. I, I don't think he should have been there. I don't think he should have been doing what he was doing. But he had every right to defend himself, and the police are on video thanking him and his friends for being there doing doing that job. So clearly the police were okay with him being there. The police, of course, were sitting back and letting this, uh, letting the rioting happen, in large part because of the demands of local officials. Local officials, you know, if the police had tried to stop it, the police would have been uh, condemned for having so done. And we now know that um, the shooting of, of the man that sparked all of this um, was was a little bit different. Uh, Jacob Blake, that's his name, is is different than first advertised. You know, so can I just as an aside here? This is the the funny world in which we live. Uh I have spoken out very aggressively on what happened about Ahmad Arbery here in Georgia. And I have spoken out very aggressively about what happened to George Floyd. I I see people on the right who are or to this day I get them all the time peddling uh, things about George Floyd's record, doctored videos about George Floyd. None of that excuses the fact that that police officer had his knee on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes, 46 seconds. And in, in defense of Almond Arbery, in defense of George, uh, George Floyd, then you get a situation like the guy in Atlanta, uh, Richard R- Brooks or, or uh, Jacob uh, Blake in in Wisconsin, And say, those aren't the same, there's a different fact pattern, and I judge that differently, and suddenly you're condemned as a racist. There's just no winning, and it is by design to try to bully you into taking an either-or position on the police, and I refuse to do that. Each situation should be judged by its own merits. And you, I think, should resist the temptation to always defend the police because there are bad actors, and every police officer I know acknowledges it. You should also resist the temptation to always condemn the police. Uh, Don't always support, don't always condemn. Judge each fact pattern by the facts. But we're not allowed to do nuance anymore, are we? Uh, It's got to be all good or all bad. And and that really, to me, that's unfortunate uh, because we are dealing with a situation uh, that, that is volatile And the vice president of the United States, of course, addressed this last night. And I'll tell you who else is now starting to address it. Uh, Democratic governors are starting to address it. And and here's the problem. They waited for the polling to change. In Wisconsin, in Wisconsin, Black Lives Matters had 20% plus 20% support. It now has negative 2% support. Fewer people today support Black Lives Matters than they did before George Floyd was killed. And it has everything to do with the rioting and the violence. And as a result, finally, politicians are beginning to speak up. And you know, there's an irony there. If the Democrats, if Joe, if, if Joe Biden comes out and has his sister soldier moment and condemns the rioting and violence and it stops, then there are two questions: Why didn't he do it sooner? And are the Democrats able to control this stuff if they're going to listen to the Democrats and and go away? It still puts the Democrats in a difficult position, even as the media will try to find a way to get them out of it. Well, yeah, yeah listen, uh, we're having some so, uh, some technical issues this morning, so you're not able to call in. But remember the number, please. On uh, when you can call in, uh, we'll have things restored on monday how do i know because uh code for technical details is uh the call screener went to the beach we listen you guys gotta gotta put advertising on on this program if you want me to hire a backup call screener from my call screener um so we're we're just we're not taking phone calls while the call screeners at the beach for the next two days uh and and meanwhile you should advertise on this here program uh because you know we cover the whole state of georgia in fact uh, starting next week, we will have a brand new station um, the covering the most expensive real estate in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Where is that? Well, you'll have to tune in to find out. Uh, but this hour of the program, I do want to thank our existing sponsors uh, as I continue on. Dynamic Money. Uh, in fact, I got to meet with them, Christy and I do, in the next week or two to do more budget planning. Uh, Dynamic Money, it's a fee-only, and that's really important, and I want to explain why. It is a fee-only uh, financial management firm. They they not only can handle your 401k if you want them to, but what they specialize in is putting you on the path to financial security uh, for retirement and life. They teach you budgeting. They teach you how to build reserves. They go through your insurance statements and and realize that you could save money by going with different insurance companies for comparable rates, or uh, you don't have enough liability protection given what you do for a living and how much money you make, and you need more insurance. Essentially, they they are uh, a general practice, a, a, like a doctor for your finances. So what they do is they take in your your life insurance, your car insurance, your home insurance, your mortgage, your credit card statements. They're like, you know what, if you move this balance from this credit card to this credit card, if you're gonna keep a credit card, you can get a lower rate, you can get more points, you can do more. Uh, with this house insurance, you know, if you use this insurance company instead, you can lower your rate, you can save you some money with, with, with your car insurance as well. Uh, with your life insurance why don't you reduce what you're doing in whole life and get some term life you really only need term right now we can get add back in whole if you need it uh, they, they're they're remarkable in what they do uh and we've used them and I, I'll tell you I sat down with them for the very first time because we were trying to figure out we had some some pre-existing credit card debt medical bills and stuff we'd had to put on credit cards in, in the past and just had never been able to pay it down and I mean they they sat down with us and again it's it's completely it's flat fee they're not trying to sell me something to make a commission they they don't do any commission work it's flat fee and they sit down and they said you know you've got uh tens of thousands of dollars of in equity in your home and your and your refinance rates right now are lower than what you financed your house at why don't you refinance take some cash out and you can pay off your debt and guess what happened our mortgage payment was actually less than our existing mortgage payment, even though we took cash out and we paid, a, we wiped out debts. Uh, I would have never thought to have done that. I wouldn't have had the means, uh, and they they didn't handle the refinance. They gave me a list of options Said here are three different companies you can go to that we trust that'll do it for you, and and it was great. That's what dynamic money does. I can't sing their praises enough. Most fee-only financial planning firms are for the really rich, and dynamic money specializes in the middle class. I don't care where you are in the country. If you need help with your finances, you really should go to Dynamic Money. Uh, again, one of the things Dynamic Money does is they sit down with you. They're fee-only, so they're not going to try to sell you life insurance or an annuity or anything to make a commission. It is flat fee. And they can meet with you anywhere in the country by Zoom, by FaceTime, by Skype. Uh, they've got offices in in north of Atlanta. But they will look at all of your finances. They'll look at uh, everything you're paying in insurance. They'll look at your mortgage. They'll look at your debts, and they'll say, "Hey, you know what? You can you can refinance your house. It'll save you money. You can get some cash out. You can pay off these credit cards. You'll wind up saving money. You'll you can take that excess money you're saving. You can start building the reserve fund. Here's a great bank account. It gets you a great interest rate. Uh, you're using this car insurance company with this. You actually need more than the car insurance uh, that you're paying for because of your income and your net worth. Uh, but if you move to this other insurance company, you can." actually get more but you're paying less they do all of that stuff they keep up on it so you don't have to you don't have enough time in your day to figure out which insurance company is going to give you the best rate you don't want to do the hassle they take care of all of that for you and if you want them to manage your 401k they will manage your 401k they talk you through the entire process uh, but if you want to keep your money with someone else, this is also great because uh, one of my accounts for my 401k, I can't move, but I let the people at Dynamic Money look at it. They're like, you're, you're invested in the wrong funds for your 401k. You should do this instead. And I'm actually getting a better return uh, for my 401k now, thanks to the advice from Dynamic Money. Again, 100% fee only, and they're not going to try to sell you something to make a commission and they work with you on building a budget building a reserve fund uh reducing the payments you're making to insurance companies and 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 re they can help you refinance do all of that stuff i can't recommend them enough i really can't uh they have saved me money uh, the amount of money that i paid them uh which was actually really reasonable i was shocked by how, how reasonable it was i made that back up in just the money that i'm saving by by moving around insurance and letting them do this stuff for me uh it's just, it's been remarkable. Uh, I can't thank them enough, and I'm glad they're sponsoring the program, and I want everybody to know they exist anywhere in the country. If you need this sort of help, dynamicmoney.com is the website, dynamicmoney.com. You really, really, really need to talk to them. And again, it, it it's fee only, and I guarantee you, well, I shouldn't guarantee you this, but in almost every case that I know of of people who went to dynamic money, they wound up making back the the fee that they paid Dynamic Money to, to review everything and, and and give them options. They wound up making more money back by doing taking the advice from Dynamic Money. So uh, you, you wound up saving money and making money by using Dynamic Money. I recommend them strongly. I really, really do Uh, for your own peace of mind, for your family's peace of mind, even for stuff like t- learning to budget. Because I'm bad at budgeting, and we're going through that process right now with them. And uh, it's frustrating and I know I need to do it, and they're really good at doing it without making me feel like I'm an idiot. And I know I am, but they they do a good job. DynamicMoney.com is their website. Uh, please go talk to them uh, if if you're in a situation with credit card debt, or or you just you need somebody to talk to about your 401k. Frankly, if you need someone to come, if you're a business owner and you need someone to come in and talk to your employees about their 401k, particularly in this turbulent financial time, they'll do that as well for your company. Uh, and I can't, I can't, I can't recommend them enough. Y'all, I, I love this company for your peace of mind, financial security, dynamicmoney.com. That was a longer ad than I should give to, to a sponsor, but I really do feel strongly about dynamic money. Uh, and I, Chris Burns, who also is a guest host here, uh, is the, the CEO of dynamic money y'all, they really do that level of work. Uh, I, I, and I know right now with, I mean, the stock market is crazy. Is it not? And the, the, the level of, of rise in the stock market, given what's going on in the world today, it it seems like the stock market has no clue what's going on. Uh, and I just, it's, it's, it's remarkable. It makes me a little nervous, but there you are. Now I want to move on uh, a little bit more on the Kenosha, Wisconsin stuff before I get into the RNC and you've got to hear this clip. But to get this clip, I I need to put this in proper context for you. The CNN reporter is standing in front of burning rubble. Burning rubble. Car dealership in flames or business in flames. I'm not sure if this is car dealership or not, uh, but it's in flames. It's in rubble. And this is how CNN handles it.
3: What you're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin, over the course of the night. A second night since Jacob Blake was seen shot. Okay, back-
1: l- l- let me just pause here and say, so it, multiple locations burning the second night of this.
3: act seven times by a police officer, and what... You are seeing now these images came and come in stark contrast to what we saw over the course of the daytime hours in Kenosha and into the early evening, which were largely peaceful demonstrations in the face of law enforcement. It wasn't until night fell that things began to get a little bit more contentious. Things were thrown back and forth. Police started using some of those crowd dispersal tactics like tear gas, even playing uh, very loud sounds to push them out. and then. What you are seeing, the common theme that ties all of this together is an expression of anger and frustration over what people feel like has become an all too familiar story playing out in places from across the country, not just here in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Mostly peaceful protests.
1: Mostly peaceful protests. MSNBC did the same thing mostly peaceful protests they're not peaceful protests they're, they're they're not peaceful protests um this is this is going to turn people against the Democrats because, the media more and more people presume that the Democrats and the media are the same and they are, and the media can't be accurate is unwilling to be accurate is unwilling to, to talk about, uh, these sorts of things. And I, I'm, Y'all, I'm sorry, but we we got a problem in this country, and and I realize we got a problem with police violence in this country. We do. I know many police officers. Many of them listen to this program across the state of Georgia, and I hear from them, and they're frustrated as well about poor training, about budget cuts, about young guys coming in who want to play play soldier in communities. They're frustrated. And they're also frustrated that, that a few of these people give the entire police department bad names and that the media, of course, wants to condemn police and the Democrats want to condemn condemn police. And your community would be in chaos if we did not have the police and we need to stand up for the police and we need to be able to recognize that there are some bad actors. But those bad actors should not be enough to condemn all the police, and we should require a level of honesty, including uh, that uh, these are not mostly peaceful protests when they're burning cities down across America. And and this as well, this is is rhetoric on CNN from a, a Democratic strategist.
4: Yeah, I think you can draw a through line. Think about what that couple did. They drew guns on people who were outside their home on a sidewalk because there were black. I mean, that's exactly what happened uh, in that instance. And that is the message, I think, that, that Donald Trump uh, wants to deliver to particularly white people, uh, that he is the one standing between uh, the lawlessness of black and brown people. Uh, and he is the one uh, that can essentially help white Americans uh, maintain their status. He gets uh, black people to sort of uh, vouch for him and say that he's not a racist. Uh, and in fact, say that America's not even really a racist country. So well, listen this could very well work because i think you know what there is some anxiety among white americans about the changing demographics of this country there is some anxiety of, about sharing power with different groups uh, in this country and you have uh, donald trump saying that to, to white america you won't have to share that power in in his america so i think listen he has been able to reinvent himself to white audiences throughout his career, particularly white evangelicals who see him in some ways as a, a messianic kind of figure. So I think there are white Americans who very much want to believe in Donald Trump. So they could very well believe in this version of Donald Trump that was presented here uh, that is patently false and patently well, yeah. at odds with the Donald Trump. And, uh, and, we
1: know um, I don't think that this is helpful commentary but it is commentary that leaves democrats nodding their head it really is striking to me how if you have someone go on national television and condemn condemn trump voters or donald trump or white america or conservatives everyone just kind of nods along with it because it makes them feel better about themselves. And it, it, it's, listen, the, to say that the couple had their guns pulled because these were black people coming into their neighborhood, it was a gated private street. The protesters were chanting about burning the place down. If it was a bunch of uh, white Antifa kids who were protesting, they would have been out there then as well with their guns. And uh, the difference is that the white Antifa people would have been more likely to try to burn the place down. I just, I, I, I don't think this is this is a helpful rhetoric. And, and people, I realize people are twisted and broken by politics, and, and you may say I am as well. And and that's fine, but I just you're you're denying the reality of the situation, and I think truth matters on all sides. Now it's one of the, my frustrations with the QAnon stuff, but it's my frustration here as well. Truth really does matter. Those, those two people, I thought it was ridiculous in their Brooks brothers to be standing on their front lawns with their AR and their handgun. Uh, but the reality is, those protesters were storming through the gates of a private community, chanting that they were going to burn the place down. The, the couple standing on their lawn they're they're not the bad guys and as much as I don't think in Kenosha Wisconsin Kyle Rittenhouse should have been there uh playing police officer when he's not one he's got the right to defend himself from people who are throwing Molotov cocktails at him beating him with a skateboard and you don't hear that in the media what you hear with 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 cities burning in the background is that these are mostly peaceful protests Uh, This is why nobody trusts the American media anymore, and this is why conspiracy theories rule the day is because nobody trusts the media to get it right, and they go off in search of stuff. They find websites that tell them what they want to hear that confirm their biases that string things together, and they believe it's true, and they embrace the conspiracy. They embrace the conspiracy because of the failure of the American media to be honest at times like this. well-connected, and well-respected. It's Eric Erickson,
2: live every weekday.
1: All right. um, Let me uh, deal real quick with the hurricane stuff and and, and the other things before we get into the convention. I'm putting it off a little bit as well just because I want to to get everybody here in the next hour, so I don't have to repeat myself. Uh, I I actually uh, I got a, a a large army of complaints uh, from people in Athens. So you know, Athens is our flagship state uh, station for the show, and they don't they've got a longtime award winning uh, morning host who show runs until ten. And so we knew when we were launching it uh, that we would just have the 10 and 11 o'clock hour in Athens. Uh, but I got a, just an army of hate mail from people in Athens of why wasn't I covering particular things that I did cover, but I covered them in the, in this hour, yesterday, uh, things they wanted to hear about the convention. And, and there's actually some really interesting news out there. And so I want to get to it after the next commercial break. Uh, I do want to bring up the hurricane uh, real quick. Please keep the people of of Texas, Louisiana, and Arkansas in your prayers. Um, The the people of Louisiana are suffering through Hurricane Laura. There's a lot of damage. There was a massive storm surge. A a 20-foot wall of water pushed inland by this hurricane. Uh, It is still a major storm. It is a Category uh, 2 storm at the moment and it continues to track very strongly with 100 mile an hour winds uh the national weather service um just a little while ago uh says that uh there's still storms surging in effect there's still massive flooding Uh, there is a, a lot of damage the storm is moving very slowly only at about 15 miles an hour uh, it continues to maintain hurricane strength as the sun has come up though. People in the Lake Charles area and the like are, they're seeing the damage, but uh, a friend of mine tells me he lost power about one o'clock in the morning near there. The, the Western side of hurricanes is always the worst. Uh, the, really the Northwest side of it is, is typically the worst and, uh, that hit through parts of Beaumont, Texas and the like, uh, but. I want to explain the storm surge for you uh, just so you kind of understand this phenomenon, because I realize uh, unless you live live on the coast here in Georgia, and you're listening or, or far south Georgia, uh, a hurricane to you is is a very bad storm. But you don't deal with a lot of the effects of hurricanes. I grew up in South Louisiana. Um, I, I remember Andrew coming through. We were out of school for several days uh, just given the destruction of Hurricane Andrew. Um, my daughter was born the night of Katrina. My parents actually – so we were we were here in, in Macon in 2005 when Katrina blew through uh, starting uh, tonight uh, into tomorrow. Our, our daughter was born. I called my parents to let them know, and and my dad informed me the power had already gone out. They were doing what all reasonable people do, which is eating all the ice cream before it melted. Um, So the the situation with a uh, hurricane is, in addition to the low-pressure system, because it's such low pressure, it causes a a bit of a swell, a, a bubble, if you will, pulls up the ocean to a degree. But beyond the pulling up of the ocean to a degree because of the low pressure, what really is the most devastating aspect of it is the storm surge. And what that is, is very much like, you know, a lot of people who try to uh, explain how Noah could part the Red Sea, or Moses could part the Red Sea, was the winds. The wind of a hurricane is strong enough that it pushes the water ahead of it. And... A hurricane of the, of a Category 4 strength, the wind is so strong moving forward in the hurricane that the water piles up on top of itself. And so much water piles on top of itself, it gets to 20 feet high. And that pushes in. 20 feet high, a wall of water comes in. Now, it's not just that, but as the hurricane then comes in, because of the low-pressure system, it kind of pulls the water up. There's like a a swell of water, and so that comes with the hurricane as well. So you have a 20-foot storm surge, and then you have the swell of water that follows the hurricane behind it. And so you just get this massive wall of water that comes in, and it it will kill everyone in its path. Everyone had to get out of there. It was bad. Um, So keep the people of uh, Louisiana, Texas, and Arkansas in your prayers. Uh, The the storm is moving north. The storm surged, thankfully, as it's hit mostly land, gone away. But there's going to be a lot of devastation to deal with because of this storm. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson and I got to start with a correction out of the box and and, uh, thank you to Kelly for for correcting me. I said in in the first hour the northwest uh, quadrant of a hurricane is is the worst. It's actually the northeast quadrant because of the spin of the arm uh, pushing the storm surge. That tends to be where the worst storm surge and tornado activity is. Uh, That being said, the northwest side of the hurricane tends to get the more and stronger rain. Uh, because of the spin of the uh, of the hurricanes and particularly how they come on shorts. Typically, uh, it is that northwest side that bulges out and, and fills with rain. That's what I meant. But, yes, uh, thank you, Kelly. The northeast side tends to actually have more damage because of the spin, of the storm surge, and the hurricanes, um, and, and the tornado watches in that quadrant. Uh, there is a massive hurricane uh, rolling through Louisiana right now. My parents are fine. My mom is texting me. Uh, and this hurricane is headed up uh, towards... Uh, I'm looking right now, the eye of the hurricane, Natchitoches is in the eye of the hurricane right now. Now, if you are not from Louisiana, there is a city in Louisiana, It is N A T C H -H N-A-T-C-H-I-T-O-C-H-E-S, Natchitoches is what you will probably pronounce it as. It's actually called Natchitoches. Uh, and now I'm looking where my parents are in Jackson, Louisiana, and it looks like they are, the radar is uh, fairly well clear around them. No tornado watches, no tornado warnings, uh, in the, the worst of this now is, uh, the Shreveport area, the Winfield, Louisiana area, the Rushton area. I've got friends up there in Monroe, Louisiana. It has, uh, it is moving into Arkansas, slow moving storm. The far outer bands now are starting to impact Little Rock, Arkansas. It is still a hurricane. It is still a hurricane. Um, yes, I am starting this program with the hurricane warning, uh, because one, I'm fascinated by storms. Two, I'm from Louisiana. And three, it actually is a very big story. Uh, the far outer bands, uh, Jackson, Mississippi being impacted, Little Rock, Arkansas, um, you're going to get a lot of impact up uh towards memphis here in later in the day as the storm is going to start to turn uh we're actually going to get impacted particularly if you're in north georgia by the weekend uh you will get the fallout from laura it'll be a tropical depression by then it won't be a hurricane and you're going to be impacted by it now that's all i need to say about that right now because i waited yesterday i want you people in athens to know something i got angry emails from people in athens yesterday what did I say? All I did was I covered a lot of the convention in the first hour. And and so I've waited. I dealt with Kenosha, Wisconsin in the first hour. I rearranged my own outline flow just for you guys. And so now I I want to spend a little bit of time on the vice president's speech, among other things, the the speeches from last night. And I'm actually going to play some longer excerpts. And the reason I want to play some longer excerpts is because there were some of the speeches I myself missed uh, because CNN did not cover them, including the Chinese dissident uh, and the nun. And I want to play you those those uh, that audio because you may have missed them as well. They were very good speeches. Um, But let me start here. Let me give you a reality check, and my reality check is actually based on Nate Cohen, who uh, runs the uh, Upshot blog for The New York Times and has been looking at the the 538, that's Nate Silversight data. And there are a couple of things you need to know with just the state of play of the presidential election. This is not partisan. Uh, you, you, you're not going to get partisanship here. You may hate it, uh, but I'm just giving you the data based on where we are right now, which I'm actually really fascinated by. And again, uh, this is this is not from me. This is the New York Times. Joe Biden actually did see a decline in polling following the Democratic Convention. Joe Biden actually went down in the polls. I am unaware, and I've talked to several political scientists who are unaware, of candidates actually having a negative bounce uh, coming out of their conventions. Joe Biden did. It is the president of the United States, Donald Trump, who got a bounce from the Democratic Convention. At this point, it's beyond dispute in the polling. Uh, the president is now uh, on August 27th, closer to Joe Biden in the swing states of Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, um, and North Carolina than he was to Hillary Clinton in 2016. And he won all those states in 2016. That's, that should be troublesome to the Democrats. There are troubling issues for the Republicans, including that th- this has been a well-managed convention on on message and the president can, in one tweet, sabotage it, but we're not there yet. Here's the other thing that is worth noting from uh, Nate Cohen at the New York Times, based on all the polling data right now, the president has an Electoral College advantage. Um, it, it is, it's he's not 100%, and I, I, I said this earlier there are some states that are too inconclusive to determine who would win them. But right now, if the election were held at this moment based on current polling trends, uh, it is very probable Joe Biden would win the popular vote and Donald Trump would win the electoral college. Uh, And that is a change from last week. Last week in the polling, Joe Biden would have won the electoral college and would have won the, um, would have won the popular vote. And following the Democratic convention, the um, president of the United States is actually ahead of Joe Biden now in a couple of states. He's narrow. He's narrowed the margins of Joe Biden's um, leads in a handful of other states. The only state that is actually a problem for the president in that regard, actually two of them, Arizona. Uh, which should be Republican and Florida, where Joe Biden actually is h- further ahead than where Hillary Clinton was at this time in 2016. But it, the bottom line is, President Trump benefited from the Democratic National Convention. It is inarguable at this point. If you're a Democrat, I realize you, you you don't like to hear that. If you're a Republican, you won't like to hear this. You're having a very good convention this week. It is well crafted. It is well done. It is hitting all the right notes that can all be sabotaged in one moment with one tweet from the president of the United States. And that is why this is a problematic race still and why the president probably is gonna have difficulty building a lead over Joe Biden, even as the trends are in the right direction for the GOP. The president is his own best messenger and worst messenger. The president can build himself up and he can sabotage himself uh, better than, than, than his opponents can put him on defense. And that's just something you got to worry about. Uh, Republicans are fantastic at snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, and they need to be careful with the president on this one. Uh, But right now, following the Democratic Convention, according to Nate Cohn, the New York Times, uh, the president actually benefited from the Democratic Convention, not the Democrats. And the president right now uh, has a lead in the Electoral College. Now, all that being said, we need to go to the speeches and I want to play for you a speech that I did not get to hear last night and I did get to hear it because I did watch CNN and the reason I watched CNN as I've said before is I wanted to see how CNN's coverage of the Republican convention differs from the Democratic convention and I'm starting to get a hint of one of the key differences and I want to tell you about that after we hear the speech. This is uh, Chin Guan Chin
5: who is a dissident from China. My name is Chen Guangcheng, standing up to tyranny is not easy, I know. When I spoke out against China's one-child policy and other injustices, I was prosecuted, beaten, sent to prison, and put under house arrest by the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP. In April 2005, 2012, I escaped and was given shelter in the American Embassy in Beijing. I'm forever grateful to the American people for welcoming me and my family to the United States, where we are now free. The CCP is an enemy of humanity it is terrorizing its own people and it is threatening the well-being of the world in china expressing beliefs or ideas not approved by the ccp religion democracy human rights can lead to prison. The nation lives under mass surveillance and censorship. The U.S. must use its values of freedom, democracy, and the rule of law to gather a coalition of other democracies to stop CCP's aggression. President Trump has led on this, and we need the other countries to join him in this fight, a fight for our future. Standing up to fight unfairness isn't easy, I know, so does President Trump, but he has shown the courage to wage that fight. We need to support, vote, and fight for President Trump for the sake of the world.
1: Y'all, listen, I, I realize he, 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 there are points where, where he's a little bit hard to understand, but this is this is worth hearing. BuzzFeed, and I want to get into this in the third hour, BuzzFeed actually uh, has taken satellite data and has been able to show the concentration camps in China. Uh, they've been able to find them on maps. Ironically, the way they were able to find them on maps is China has a um, mapping platform called Baidu. And Baidu it shows you certain parts of the map where... Uh, you, you, All you see are gray squares. You don't actually see what's there on the satellite. And so BuzzFeed actually commissioned a private company to fly their satellites and take pictures where all those gray squares were. And guess what's there? Concentration camps. It continues to amaze me that the NBA is willing to walk off the court in this country for racial injustice and makes billions from China and keeps its mouth shut. And I do think that matters. It's not a what-about situation. It is a consistency situation. The NBA does not just make money off of American basketball fans. It makes lots of money off of China. And that it's willing to be brave and bold and and not play games here and walk off courts and protest to social injustice here, but not do that in China, uh, suggests it actually is about the money for them. And it was great of the Republicans to have someone on stage last night who was willing to talk about this stuff and and stand up and speak and tell the truth. Because there aren't a whole lot of people uh, willing to do that these days uh, with China. We, we, you got the NBA boycotting and, and the like.
6: And here again, we see the NBA, as we've seen throughout the summer, and also the WNBA, uh, wearing the Black Lives Matter shirts, all of the uh players and and uh and their fans so many of them with the black screen for black lives matter that day on social media and here it is the nba again leading the way this is a remarkable development it will be seen um i think for what it is as something that's historic that will be studied 50 or 100 years from now uh, because it is a big part of this conversation and uh, as we've seen over and over again these nba players I uh, have a conscience that so many other athletes really don't seem to exhibit and you may disagree with them. You may say this is wrong, but you cannot for one second, Wolf, argue with the fact that they are making a stand uh, the way we saw in 1968 at the Olympics, uh, the way we've seen with others. But, but it, it has been rare, Tiger Woods wouldn't have done something like this, Michael Jordan wouldn't have done something like this, but these NBA players in 2020, they are doing exactly
1: this. But they won't stand up to the country that also makes them lots of money. This one and not that one. What's the difference between the two? What, what, it, what is the difference? Between, you, you can say, well, they're American, they're not Chinese. Yeah, okay, that's fine. But they sure do make a lot of money from the Chinese. Are, are they going to give the money back? The Chinese are running concentration camps. You have Republicans talking about it. Uh, why don't you have these athletes who seem so brave... To talk about it here. Unwilling to talk about it there. I really do like his opinion on things. Eric
2: Erickson. The information you need and the truth you demand. Well, he tells it like it is. Live every weekday.
1: Can I have a moment, y'all? Ah, <sighs> I've hit that age. Um, my, my little girl gets her learner's permit tomorrow. She turns 15 tomorrow. How, how, how is that possible? How, how, how do you, how do you get to that point? all the all the smiles and pictures oh <laughs> the arguments and frustration and stubbornness ah there's a man i want you all to know there's a there's a local federal judge who needs to be impeached right now who's texting me to tell me that i'm old <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yes, I am When did the, when did this happen? How do you, you know, can, can I just seriously, seriously, seriously as as just a moment here. So my my daughter turns 15 tomorrow and I'm sure I'll I'll repeat myself tomorrow and I realize it's a recognition that I'm getting old and so is she. Uh, her first year uh that she was, after she was born I had a job where I was commuting back and forth to in Washington DC three days one week four days the next week and I, I remember her first smile because I was home for it I captured it on a on a bad cell phone picture but she turns 15 and you know the weirdest thing about growing old is is even in your position things things change like so for example um you know, one day you're the employee and the next day you're the boss. That you have people who you can turn to and look to for advice. You you look over your right shoulder and there's someone standing there who you can get advice from. Uh, someone who's had the experience and and you're in that business. And you turn and, and you get advice from them because you reach something unknown and uncharted in, in your life and your career. And there's someone you can turn to for advice. And then one day you turn and it's you you're looking at it in a mirror. And it's other people turning, looking over their right shoulder to you for advice. And you're like, well, how the heck did I get here? I am am i i don't know this stuff. And you got to to some degree, you got to pretend and to some degree you you have the 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 wisdom and experience of age by that point where you've developed your own opinions uh you've relied on the advice of those who came before you but you you, you really don't know that that's that's the weirdest thing honestly so so i i turned 45 uh in june and and that's the weirdest thing about particularly in in my career where i am now cuz cuz radio even among people it can be competitive and stuff but i'm i'm just uh, i'm 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 fascinated by this aspect of life now that I'm here where people look at me as I'm their boss, I'm their employer, and I'm used to being the employee. And And I guess the one of the keys to success is you can flip the switch and, and go from employee to employer, from minion to boss, and have accumulated the wisdom of others to be able to then guide you and others successfully, but it kind of gets intimidating. I mean, I now do this radio show five days a week in the mornings, trying to grow it, trying to build advertisers, trying to build affiliates. And I've got a great team that works with me. Uh, Charlie is indispensable and Philip as well. And Candace and Jim and, and yet you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy in charge. How, how did I get to be in charge of this? How did I get to have a 15 year old and 11 year old who will be 12 in, in, in December. And, and it's, it's the process of growing up and things change around you and it's just it's kind of odd, and and then I'm more and more mindful of the fact. Like I see my parents, and and my parents are have definitely aged. But they don't, in my mind, seem as aged to me as my grandparents ever seem. Even though they're at my grandparents' age, where I most remember my grandparents, because I'm more familiar with my parents, I guess to some degree, and, and connected to them at a younger age. It's just the the whole phenomenon, the surreal of, of growing up and growing old and being connected to those who are growing up and old around you. It, it really is a strange thing. And now my, my kid's about to get her learner's permit and, and God help the world on on that, but it's just it growing up is a weird thing. It really is. And yes, I'm getting old, uh, and have to embrace it. Uh, but you know what, you know, the one good thing about growing up is eventually you get the money in most cases to do the things you couldn't do as a 20-year-old. But when you're in your 40s, you're still young enough to be able to do a lot of the things you wanted to do, and now you've got the means to be able to do it. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, my goodness gracious. So uh, my my corporate office is sending just random uh, annoying. Um, wow, please, please make it stop. Um, please, please stop adding things to my calendar that are nonsensical, please. <laughs> All right. Sorry. All right. Back to the convention. I, I, I got to go to the convention. We got to hear a couple more speeches before we get to the vice president uh, uh, those things that you didn't hear if you watch cnn now there is a reason and in in fairness to cnn the reason that you don't get a lot of that stuff is because they do break in with commentary and i did watch them last week enough to know that in fairness to them they they um they they treated the republican convention fairly like the democratic convention except at the Democratic convention, when they had the panel on, the, the panel of pundits, it was three Democrats to one Republican. And with the panel for this, uh, for the Republican convention, it is two to two. Why was it three to one last week and it's two to two this week? I, I, I do think that that, that you know, when I was at CNN in the in uh, for the 2012 presidential election, uh, for the conventions, you, you typically let the Democrats have the democratic convention and the Republicans have the Republican convention to, to talk, uh, as a party within differing opinions within the party on the convention. It wasn't a love fest, uh, the whole way through, but here in this situation, they're, they're not doing that. And I think that's unfortunate. Uh, but they they leave out some of the speeches to provide commentary. They did this with the Democrats as well. In fairness, some of them I, I I like. I I didn't necessarily need to hear some of the some of the ones that they chose. I would have loved to have heard the nun, and had to go back and listen. And I want to play for you the nun, uh, Sister Deirdre Byrne. She was in the military. She's a doctor. She's a nun. Listen to this.
7: Good evening. I'm Sister Dee Dee Byrne and I belong to the community of the Little Workers of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary. Last Fourth of July, I was honored to be one of the President's guests at his Salute to America celebration. I must confess that I recently prayed while in chapel, begging God to allow me to be a voice and instrument for human life. And now here I am, speaking at the Republican National Convention. I guess you better be careful for what you pray for. My journey to religious life was not a traditional route, if there is such a thing. In 1978, as a medical school student at Georgetown University, I joined the army to help pay for my tuition and ended up devoting 29 years to the military, serving as a doctor and a surgeon in places like Afghanistan and Egypt's Sinai Peninsula. After much prayer and contemplation, I entered my religious order in 2002 working to serve the poor and the sick in Haiti, Sudan, Kenya, Iraq, and in Washington, DC. Humility is at the foundation of our order, which makes it very difficult to talk about myself. But I can speak about my experience working for those fleeing, war-torn, and impoverished countries all around the world. Those refugees all share a common experience. They have been all marginalized, viewed as insignificant, powerless and voiceless. And while we tend to think of the marginalized as living beyond our borders, the truth is the largest marginalized group in the world can be found here in the United States. They are the unborn. As Christians, we first met Jesus as a stirring embryo in the womb of an unwed mother and saw him born nine months later in the poverty of the cave. It's no coincidence that Jesus stood up for what was just and was ultimately crucified, because what he said wasn't politically correct or fashionable. As followers of Christ, we are called to stand up for life against the politically correct or fashionable of today. We must fight against a legislative agenda that supports and even celebrates destroying life in the womb. Keep in mind, the laws we create define how we see our humanity. And we must ask ourselves, what are we saying when we go into a womb and snuff out an innocent, powerless voices' life?
1: Y'all, that none has caused heads to explode in the media today because she pointed out that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris support infanticide. Now, you can say, that they don't, but they do. And the outrage of the media for her speech, how dare a nun speak? I I was not expecting the hate on, I mean, I, I guess I should have expected the hate on the nun, but I wasn't expecting the level of hate on that nun. And they are coming out of the woodwork after that lady today. It is I'm I'm actually kind of shocked by the 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 deep level of hate uh, for for that. It just it's 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 crazy to me the amount of hate that they've got uh, for a nun standing on stage because she dared to accurately accurately reflect the position on abortion that the Democrats have. So it's striking to me how the left and the Democrats or the left and the left and the media want to have positions and then harass anyone who dares point out what those positions are, which suggests the level of mendacity within their positioning. And I do think we should be mindful of that level of mendacity that you're you're you want a position on abortion. And then you want to attack anyone who points out that position that you have on abortion. Now, you can be pro-abortion. And I realize you like to call yourself pro-choice. I don't support abortion rights, but I believe that everyone should be given the right to you. So you do support people killing kids. You will defend someone killing. yeah, listen, i'm I'm this I'm militant on this issue. I realize. But for this woman to point out Joe Biden Kamala Harris's position, and then attack her for doing so is absurd, but it is also where we are at as a society at this point with the Democrats in what they believe. And I find that troubling. I find it bothersome and I find it very revealing. They don't like to talk about these things. Now, one more speech. Dan Crenshaw, couple of minutes with him.
8: Hi, I'm Congressman Dan Crenshaw. Eight years ago, in the fields of Helmand Province, Afghanistan, a close friend and teammate laid down cover fire against Taliban insurgents so that I could walk, blind and bloodied, to the medevac helicopter and survive. But he didn't. Dave Warson was killed two months later. He died a hero to this great country. Here's the truth about America. We are a country of heroes. I believe that. So should you. We are a people with a common set of ideals conceived in liberty, people that have sacrificed time and again for our freedom and the freedom of others. That's something no other country ever anywhere can claim. Since 9-11, I've seen America's heroes up close. Some of them saved my life. Some of them saved many others' lives. Many of them never made it home. These heroes acted as if the whole struggle depended on them alone, as if any weakness on their part would be a reflection of the whole nation. That's called duty, and America has a long history of it. Our enemies fear us because Americans fight for good, and we know it, it gives us strength. When our heroes are trusted and equipped, then freedom prevails. The defeat of ISIS was the result of America believing in our heroes, our president having their backs and rebuilding our military so we'd have what we needed to finish the mission. The cowering of the Iranian regime and the restoration of the deterrence once lost is the result of America believing in her own might again. But America's heroism isn't relegated to the battlefield. Every single day we see them if you just know where to look. It's the nurse who volunteers for back-to-back shifts caring for COVID patients because she feels that's her duty. It's the parent who will relearn algebra because there's no way they're letting their kid fall behind while schools are closed. And it's the cop that gets spit on one day and will save a child's life the next. America is the country where the young military wife with two young children answers the unexpected knock at the door, looks the man in uniform in the eye, and even as her whole world comes crashing down, she stands up straight, she holds back tears, and takes care of her family because she must. This is what heroism looks like. It was a good speech. I'm
1: I'm sad I didn't get to see it. Um, I, I I did not. I'll tell you the one I got to see though, and the one that I hope everyone saw, and and I was glad seeing it and broadcast it. Madison Cawthorn. Madison Cawthorn is the 25 year old running for Congress in North Carolina. And he is being attacked by the left right now as as some sort of white supremacist. He and his family went to uh, Eagles Nest, which is Hitler's uh, vacation retreat. Put a picture up that it had been kind of a a, a bucket list thing to go there and see it. Uh, condemned white supremacy and and Nazism and all of that in, in the post, but uh, said it was it was a historic place that the U.S. captured and American troops um, used it as a place of recreation after World War II, and he always wanted to go see it. It's a huge tourist destination in Germany, by the way. It actually is. Uh, People want to go see this place, and so he's being maligned as a white supremacist for this. Uh, Interestingly enough, Madison Cawthorn is not the guy uh, Donald Trump backed. He's the only primary candidate I'm aware of in the country who didn't have the president's backing who beat the president's preferred candidate in the primary. He gave a great speech. He's in a wheelchair. He was in a a bad wreck, uh, nearly lost his life when he was uh, uh, in high school, Uh, couldn't walk just. It was a tremendous speech, and at the end of the speech, he wanted to stand, and, and he was able to stand.
9: Yet today, political forces want to usher in the digital dark ages, a time of information without wisdom and tribalism without truth. National leaders on the left have normalized emotion-based voting and a radicalized identity politics that rejects Martin Luther King's dream. MLK's dream is our dream, for all Americans to be judged solely on their character. Millions of people risk their lives every year to come here because they believe in the dream of MLK and the American dream. Join us. As we, the party of freedom, double down on ensuring the American dream for all people, we are committed to building a new town square. It welcomes all ideas and all people. Here we will have freedom of speech, not freedom from speech. To liberals, I say let's have a conversation. Be a true liberal. Listen to other ideas and let the best ones prevail. And to conservatives, I say, let's define what we support and win the argument in areas like health care and on the environment. In this new town square, you don't have to apologize for your beliefs or cower to a mob. You can kneel before God but stand for our flag. The American idea my ancestors fought for during the Revolutionary War is just as exciting and revolutionary today as it was 250 years ago. I say to Americans who love our country, young and old, be a radical for freedom, be a radical for liberty, and be a radical for our republic, for which I stand, one nation under God, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, and may God bless America.
1: I I just I thought that was a tremendously powerful speech and you get a sense of why the Democrats are out to to destroy this kid's reputation. You can get the sense of the final. And by the way, uh, that district is a Republican leaning district Uh, and the odds are he will probably be in Congress. They also don't like the fact that he'll be younger than AOC, that they like her to have the claim as youngest member of Congress. Um, the, The kid was sharp. It was such a good speech. He got one thing wrong. Madison didn't sign the Declaration of Independence at twenty-five. He, he made that claim, uh, but that—that's quibbling with, with with one detail. It was a great speech. It was a really good speech. The speeches last night, I thought. I thought that the the theming of it last night was a little bit off. But you can tell the GOP really is making a play for black voters. Uh, Jack Brewer spoke. He's a member of Black Voices for Trump. He's former Minnesota Vikings safety. They weren't sure he was going to speak. Uh, the SEC is now pursuing uh, charges against him related to stock. And and there were some questions whether or not he would be on stage. I, I want to play you some of his speech, which I thought was powerful. Uh, Philip, who worked with me, asked me a great question last night on the live stream about the impact of it. And I want to talk about that when we come back. Do, do these Black Voices for Trump on stage matter? News and in-depth analysis from Eric Erickson, live five days a week and always online
2: at theresurgent.com.
1: All right, uh, I, I want to play this for you, and I want to talk about it. Before I do, though, this hour of the program is brought to you by True Precision, True Precision I uh, real, I mean, I, I want to say they made my concealed carry firearm. They didn't really. Make, it's a Glock, and they didn't make the Glock, but they gave me some awesome upgrades to it. Um, so I got a slide from them. It is a camo pattern. I got a great barrel from them. Uh, we're upgrade. I, they upgraded my sights for me, and we're gonna upgrade the trigger. And you can do this at True Precision. They really do make great upgrades to firearms. Uh, they do multiple models of multiple gun manufacturers. Uh, you can get slides and barrels. You can get triggers. And what you do is you go to true-precision.com. True-precision.com. And uh, you, can, um, you, you can order stuff online and have it shipped to you. So, for example, if you want a new slide for your gun, Go to True-Precision.com, find your gun model, uh, find a slide you like, and they'll ship it to you. If you use Eric at checkout, you get 10% off. Now, listen, it is a great way to help this program uh, by going to our sponsors. Go to Dynamic Money if you need uh, financial planning. If you're a business and need loans, go to First Liberty. If, you, if you're if you a gun owner and probably 95% of you are and you want an upgrade to your gun, True Precision is the place to go. They, they really do make fantastic upgrades to guns. Uh, And I say this as an owner of one. Every time I go to the gun range, people want to know where I got it. Well, I got it at True Precision. -precision True-precision.com. Order your your parts, your slides, barrels, your your triggers online. They'll send it to you. Use ERIC, E-R-I-C-K at checkout, and you'll get 10% off. Um, You really should use them. Now, uh, I want to talk about uh, the former Minnesota Vikings player, who spoke on stage, Jack Brewer. uh, He's with Black Voices for Trump. Uh, Let me play you a bit of an excerpt of his speech.
10: I know what racism looks like. I've seen it firsthand. In America, it has no resemblance to President Trump. And I'm fed up with the way he's portrayed in the media who refuse to acknowledge what he's actually done for the black community. It's confusing the minds of our innocent children. Before I left to come deliver this message, my energetic eight-year-old son Jackson stopped me and said, Dad, can you please just tell everyone that all lives need to matter and that God loves everyone? In that moment, I realized that my eight-year-old had figured out what so many adults have seemed to forget. We are not as divided as our politics suggest. At some point, for the sake of our children, the policies must take priority over the personalities. So because you have an issue with President Trump's tone, you're going to allow Biden and Harris to, to deny our underserved black and brown children's school choice? Are we so offended by the president's campaign slogan, Make America Great Again, that we're going to ignore that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have collectively been responsible for locking up countless black men for nonviolent crimes? Are you going to allow the media to lie to you by falsely claiming that he said there were very fine white supremacists in Charlottesville? He didn't say that. It's a lie. And ignore the so-called Black Lives Matter organization that openly, on their website, calls for the destruction of the nuclear family. My fellow Americans, our families need each other. We need black fathers in the homes with their wives and children. The future of our communities depend on it. I'm blessed to be able to run inner city youth programs and to also teach in prisons across America. The inmates in my federal prison program literally received days off their sentence just for attending my class. And that's thanks to President Donald Trump and his first step back. President Trump cared about these Americans and their families, even when so many others had left them behind and had written them off. I'm forever grateful for President Trump for that. He endures relentless attacks, and so do many of us, like myself, who support him.
1: That was a great speech. It was a really good speech. The question is, does it matter? You know, the the Biden team is worried that the president's going to be able to make inroads with uh, black men in particular, and they are certainly focused on that. But do speeches like that speech really matter? Do, do the black voices on stage at the Republican convention matter? Uh, I, I, I've got some, some candid and informed thoughts on whether or not it matters. And I want to delve into those with you when we come back right here on the Eric Erickson Show across the state of Georgia. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson show all over the place these days. I am glad to have you with me. Uh, The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425, except you can't today or tomorrow. Uh, Look, I I, I don't mind giving you guys uh, behind the scenes uh, pullback of the curtain stuff here. Uh, Our call screener, he, he and his wife had a baby. They've gone to the beach uh, they've taken a few days and I didn't, I, I just, I didn't even think maybe I should have a backup call screener because it's convention week. So we don't have one, my bad. Um, You can always email me, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, at theresurgent.com. You can get me on social media at E.W. Erickson, uh, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, uh, E.W. Erickson. Uh, if somebody did email and say, you sure are playing a lot of audio today and, and you don't have phone calls. Listen, I, so... One more peek behind the curtains. Um, I had. I normally do five hours of radio a day, and I've been live streaming from my front porch the conventions uh, for the two hours. So I've been doing seven hours of talking a day every day this week. My throat is starting to hint that maybe I've done a bit too much. Probably the cigars too. To be honest. Here on the front porch, You're, you got bourbon and cigars. I, but yeah, I've I've probably tonight though. I've got to give a speech to the Republican National Lawyers Association or the National. What is it? Yeah, the Republican National Lawyers Association. I got to give a speech to them, um, and so I'm not going to live stream the final night of the convention. Uh, cause I'll be on the road. I'll be listening to it on the way home, um, from the speech in Atlanta. Uh, but I've done a lot of talking this week. I actually am ready for the weekend. We got one more day of this. Uh, this has been a very busy week. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> um, Philip who, who used to work for me, uh, is texting me to tell me that I'm a wimp, um, for, for, for relying on audio today. I'm, I'm relying on the audio. Uh, he, he cut the audio up for me this morning right before he lost his job. <laughs> uh, he asked a, a a great question last night, though, before he got too big for his britches, um, uh, about the Jack Brewer speech. And I am going to play this again. I played it in the last hour. This is not, and, and, and I, I give you all of that behind the scenes so I can, I can set it up for you to, to hear this, that this is not actually me being lazy. Uh, here, uh, I actually really want you to re-listen to Jack Brewer right now and the points he made on stage because it gets to the question that Philip asked me last night, uh, is this stuff even even useful? It, very much like the Republicans who are coming out for 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 Biden. Is this stuff useful? Um, I, so re-listen with me now. Former Minnesota Viking safety Jack Brewer. Uh, I think he's the chair of Black Voices for Trump. He spoke last night. I, I played this. This is about 2 minutes, 26 seconds. I want to play it again. You heard it the first time, but really, if you heard it the first time now, really let the word sink in. Those of you who didn't hear it, you're just tuning in, listen to this, see if you can absorb the impact of the words that he's saying.
10: I know what racism looks like. I've seen it firsthand. In America, it has no resemblance to President Trump. And I'm fed up with the way he's portrayed in the media who refuse to acknowledge what he's actually done for the black community. It's confusing the minds of our innocent children. Before I left to come deliver this message, my energetic eight-year-old son Jackson stopped me and said, Dad, can you please just tell everyone that all lives need to matter and that God loves everyone? In that moment, I realized that my eight-year-old had figured out what so many adults have seemed to forget. We are not as divided as our politics suggest. At some point, for the sake of our children, the policies must take priority over the personalities. So because you have an issue with President Trump's tone, you're going to allow Biden and Harris to, to deny our underserved black and brown children's school choice? Are we so offended by the president's campaign slogan, Make America Great Again, that we're going to ignore that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have collectively been responsible for locking up countless black men for nonviolent crimes? Are you going to allow the media to lie to you? by falsely claiming that he said there were very fine white supremacists in Charlottesville. He didn't say that. It's a lie. And ignore the so-called Black Lives Matter organization that openly, on their website, calls for the destruction of the nuclear family. My fellow Americans, our families need each other. We need black fathers in the homes with their wives and children. The future of our communities depend on it. I'm blessed to be able to run inner city youth programs and to also teach in prisons across America. The inmates in my federal prison program literally received days off their sentence just for attending my class. And that's thanks to President Donald Trump and his First Step Act. President Trump cared about these Americans and their families, even when so many others had left them behind and had written them off. I'm forever grateful for President Trump for that. He endures relentless attacks, and so do many of us, like myself, who support him. That
1: was Jack Brewer, uh, Black Voices for Trump. And Philip, who works with me, uh, we were sitting on the front porch last night. We were listening to his speech, and Philip asked if, if that speech matters. Do, do these uh, Black voices who are appearing on stage from Herschel Walker... Uh, to to Brewer, do they really matter? Uh, They were, by the way, I thought, very effective speeches. Herschel Walker's and Jack Brewer, I thought they were very effective speeches. The president clearly wants uh, to target black men. The Biden campaign is actually concerned that they're seeing success uh, by the Trump campaign. The polling actually out there suggests the president is seeing some success in persuading black men to support him. Uh, But do things like this really matter? And uh, the short answer is no. Uh, having uh, a handful of black men and women on stage at a convention does not matter. Uh, it will not change the narrative. In, in fact, the odds are that things will settle down and uh, they, they will settle down again. And in so settling down that uh, people, the, the, the bounces will settle and, and will revert to the mean. Where Joe Biden has led Donald Trump fairly consistently in polling. Uh, but uh, there is a way for it to matter. And this depends on campaign discipline. Uh, And it it doesn't matter whether you are, now listen, the Democrats do have an advantage, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Uh, The media is going to give far more air cover to Republicans supporting Joe Biden than uh, black men supporting Donald Trump. In fact, if anything, what you're more likely to hear is, is critical narratives about black men supporting the president and positive narratives about Republicans supporting Biden. There is a media bias. You don't need to deny it. There really is. And you'll get more favorable media coverage of these Republican no-names supporting Joe Biden than of uh, black men supporting Trump. And if anything, they may be attacked as as somehow uh, elitist members of the black community, NFL, wealthy, things like that. It matters, though, if the Trump campaign can orchestrate this and push it out um, across the board. If the president of the United States can sustain the message and the focus on this, then it really does matter. If the president can get these people to go into black communities and hold events for him, it matters. If the president can target black men through advertising on radio and television and the internet, it matters. If the president can get black men to essentially hand over their cell phones, and uh, allow them there are apps that you can install on your phone that the campaigns use where it basically you share your contacts with the campaign and the campaign prioritizes who is persuadable or not and then it it targets back to you and you can start targeting your friends and say you should check out this clip from jack burr you should check out this clip from Marshall walker you should check out this clip from other people it matters how they do it it matters at, at the the fundamental level of campaigns this matters on the democratic side as well by the way uh, barack obama pioneered this technology more than anyone you could install it an app on your iPhone or Android device uh, that would share contacts from your phone with the Obama campaign, they would go in and and try to find persuadable people. And then this app would let you know and customize messages for you to send to friends to encourage your friends to support Barack Obama and send them relevant links to things they could look at to persuade them. If the Trump campaign is doing that, they could have an impact. Uh, Imagine, if you will, a, a campaign app my buddy Drew uh, Ryan runs a, a group campaign sidekick, and it is a, it's an app that does uh, walk lists, uh, voter targeting. Uh, this is probably I don't know if this is something they do. It, it sounds like something he would do, uh, but but just imagine this app. You put the app you put a campaign app on your phone for your preferred candidate. You load the app and the app says, "Will you share your contacts with us?" And you do. So you share your contacts with the campaign, and the campaign says, "Oh hey." That they they know John Smith. Uh, John Smith, we know from cross-referencing our voter files, John Smith is a persuadable voter for us, and these are his big issues. So what the campaign is going to do is send a notification back to you on your phone and say, you know John Smith. We want John, John Smith to be one of our voters. Uh, here are some some just copy and paste text messages for you to send to your friend John Smith through the app or through your messaging app. Uh, with links to videos that we hope will persuade him. And so you then absolutely committed to the candidate. uh, You copy and paste into your messaging app or allow the app to do it for you a text message that then pushes out to your friend John Smith and says, hey, man, I really do think you should take a, a look at the candidate Uh, I know you care about guns as much as I do watch this video and see why I think you should vote for him. And it's a prepackaged clip the candidates have the the campaign has done on these issues. And he plays the clip. It's not a clip that's done in ads. It's not a clip that's done on TV or anything. It it, it is an app. Uh, It is a clip specifically designed to persuade voters under the radar and so your friend john smith looks at the looks at the video you sent and and maybe he's immediately persuaded and says you know what by god i, I am going to support this guy well then they're going to loop him into the app and see if he too can persuade people and his his customized message will be a little different say i've decided i'm going to support this candidate here's why check out this video and he sends it out to other people and it grows that way the obama campaign did something like this It was very successful for him the trump campaign in 2016 did something very similar and my understanding is they're doing something like that now if you do that with with black men and you sustain the effort over time then yes it becomes it 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 really does matter the 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 hard thing for campaigns to execute after a convention is taking the stuff from the convention And continuing to push those messages out and to find the people uh, that they need to connect to to make sure those messages can continue to advance. If they have the discipline and the money to do that, it becomes highly effective. And there is a lot of evidence out there that the president's remember when he came to Atlanta and he did the Black Voices for Trump uh, um, program at the, the World Congress Center. A lot of people just thought that this would be somewhat dis- – that he would be dismissive. It was one-off thing. They wouldn't really commit to it. The, the signaling from the convention is that they very much are focused on it and that they very much are committed to it. And if they are, then these one-off things at the convention aren't going to be one-off. They're going to sustain them over time. And if they sustain them over time, they're going to have an impact. It doesn't matter who your campaign is. It doesn't matter if you're Joe Biden. It doesn't matter if you're Donald Trump. It doesn't matter if if, if you're I don't know Sack Billy. Um, sack Billy was a story my grandparents told me when I was a kid that that if you weren't nice, this we had this old man in the neighborhood who would carry around a bag. It was it was uh, aluminum cans he was recycling. And my grandparents said if, if you're not good, uh, that they, they send the signal for Sack Billy and he comes and takes you away. Scared all the kids. And I think every family must have a story like that. Everybody Sack Billy in, in South Louisiana was a thing. In any event. Um, doesn't matter if he's your candidate. Uh, you you sustain it. Uh, you, you run a concerted effort on saying, hey, I, I think rounding up kids is a good thing. You should consider voting for Zach Billy. You should, you'll persuade some people. You won't persuade a lot. But this is the thing with the Trump campaign in particular. They don't need to persuade a ton of people. They only need to persuade a few people in the black community to start shifting polling uh, in the black community for him. And, and you begin to shift that polling. It begins to shift the overall polling for the president. And he wins the election they've just got to commit to keeping it up. Well connected and well respected.
2: It's Eric Erickson,
1: live every weekday. It is Eric Erickson here, the full number, well, you know what, Let, let's let's not waste uh, time because you can't call in today. Um uh, tomorrow, just so you know, the the president speaks tonight. Going to have a lot of coverage of it. Before I get to the vice president, uh I do want to play a clip for you. You do need to know about it.
11: You know, as I said, after George Floyd's murder, protesting brutality is a right and absolutely necessary. But burning down communities is not protest. It's needless violence, violence that endangers lives, violence that guts businesses and shutters businesses, that serve the community. That's wrong. In the midst of this pain, the wisest words that I've heard spoken so far have come from Julia Jackson, Jacob's mother. She looked at the damage done in her community and she said this, quote, this doesn't reflect my son or my family. So let's unite and heal, do justice,
1: end the violence and end systemic racism in this country now. All right, in fairness to Joe Biden, he has denounced the riots and violence. So have the governors of Oregon and Minnesota. It's a little late, don't you think? It's, it's a little late. They had an entire convention last week where they could have done this, and they didn't.
11: My fellow Americans were passing through a time of testing. But in the midst of this global pandemic, Just as our nation had begun to recover, we've seen violence and chaos in the streets of our major cities. President Trump and I will always support the right of Americans to peaceful protest. But rioting and looting is not peaceful protest. Tearing down statues is not free speech. And those who do so will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Last week, Joe Biden didn't say one word about the violence and chaos engulfing cities across this country. So let me be clear. The violence must stop, whether in Minneapolis, Portland, or Kenosha. Too many heroes have died defending our freedom to see Americans strike each other down. We will have law and order on the streets of this country for every American of every race and creed and color.
1: You know, it it just it 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 still shocks me. That the Democrats couldn't get a clue on this. they They really bought a narrative. you know, this honestly, this is is the the Achilles heel of the Democrats is they surround themselves with the woke coastal elite, the woke mob. The media is filled up with people sympathetic to the Democrats. They generate internal feedback loops for which the real world rarely penetrates. And that is what undermines the Democrats so often. It's not a bad thing, frankly. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I don't care that the Democrats get undermined. But they don't seem to be aware of it still. that They don't seem to have an appreciation for what's going on. And what happens is it costs them time to, to respond to things like riots and violence. It, it does not help, for example, at CNN and MSNBC, they've referred to what's going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where the world can see the buildings burning and, and the violence, and they say it's, it's mostly peaceful. And the Democrats buy into this stuff. And so they refail, they have failed to respond. They have taken a hard line on police in a lot of places. And they're now seeing blowback in the polling on these issues. Here's Michael McHale of the police union speaking last night at the Republican convention.
12: I'm proud that the overwhelming majority of American police officers are the best of the best and put their lives on the line without hesitation. And good officers need to know their elected leaders and the department brass have their backs unfortunately chaos results when failed officials in cities like portland minneapolis chicago and new york make the conscious decision not to support law enforcement shootings murders looting and rioting occur unabated The violence and bloodshed we are seeing in these and other cities isn't happening by chance. It's the direct result of refusing to allow law enforcement to protect our communities. Joe Biden has turned his candidacy over to the far left, anti-law enforcement radicals. And as a senator, Kamala Harris pushed to further restrict police cut their training, and make our American communities and streets even more dangerous than they already are.
1: The Democrats, by not addressing this issue at their convention, opened the door for the GOP. And now what you're seeing is a furious pushback by Democratic friends in the media. It's not going to be enough. When we come back, the vice president's speech. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson show, and I want to spend time now, give him his due, the vice president of the United States. I got to tell y'all, I, you know, I, I am, I'm longtime friends with vice president Pence. I've known vice president Pence, gosh, since 2004, I met him in 2004, 2005, no, 2004. I met him in 2004. Uh, And uh, when I took over redstate.com officially in 2005, he sent me uh, Russell Kirks, the conservative mind, with a a great note in it that if I was going to be any sort of voice for the conservative movement, I needed to be sure what I believed about it. Uh, And he's just, he's a wonderful human being. He he and Karen Pence are just wonderful people. And in in 2012, 2012. Uh, I and a group of others met privately with him and tried to convince him he should run for president. And he wanted to run for governor of Indiana instead and did. Uh, and he is he's a good man. I, I i have great affection for him and his family. Uh, he is a good friend of mine. And man, his speech went on last night. <laughs> there were there were several moments where I thought it's done, and then he kept talking. Uh, but he, he's a good guy, and and his speech hit all the right notes. Uh, he he went after Joe Biden's record and and did so in a in a very Mike Pence way.
11: Four years ago, I answered the call to join this ticket because I knew that Donald Trump had the leadership and the vision to make America great again. And for the last four years, I've watched this president endure unrelenting attacks, but get up every day and fight to keep the promises that he made to the American people. So with gratitude for the confidence President Donald Trump has placed in me, the support of our Republican Party, and the grace of God, I humbly accept your nomination to run and serve as Vice President of the United States.
1: Accepting the nomination. Um, now I, I, I need to I need to pause here for a moment before we continue. And, and this is a personal note. Uh, this is is it's a personal moment for me you're just gonna have to give me. So my call screener, who is also my producer. Is He's abandoned me to go to the beach and he had the nerve to just text me. Uh, I'm driving past uh, the road that I live off of here in Macon, headed to the beach with the middle finger emoji. I would like to open up the call if any of you would like to be a producer, my my former producer, when he gets back from the beach, will find himself locked out of everything because he's going to the beach, uh, abandoning me here to do work, uh, going to the beach. And uh, I suppose that's fine. I can't use the word choices on air that I would use right now because I'm not exclusively on satellite. And I know he's listening because I made him turn on uh, WMAC here as he drives through the Macon area to listen to me, telling what a terrible human being he is right now for a day while I'm working. <laughs> I hope he enjoys the beach. I do. Um, I, I, I hope he doesn't get like sand crabs. Or, or or grass spurs or, or jellyfish stings or or anything like that, and and that he comes back doesn't get sunburned and blistered either. They've earned it though. They they've they totally have earned the break. Now we'll <laughs> now that I've had that say and I know he's listening. We'll turn back to the vice president and Joe Biden. My fellow Americans were passing through
11: a time of testing, but in the midst of this global pandemic. Just as our nation had begun to recover, we've seen violence and chaos in the streets of our major cities. President Trump and I will always support the right of Americans to peaceful protest. But rioting and looting is not peaceful protest. Tearing down statues is not free speech. And those who do so will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Last week, Joe Biden didn't say one word about the violence and chaos engulfing cities across this country. So let me be clear. The violence must stop, whether in Minneapolis, Portland, or Kenosha. Too many heroes have died defending our freedom to see Americans strike each other down. We will have law and order on the streets of this country for every American of every race and creed and color.
1: Look, first of all, I got to say, I think having it before the crowd worked, uh, I, I do think that having Mike Pence at Fort McHenry He wove in the themes of the Star Spangled Banner. That's where Francis Scott Key saw the battle in 1812, wrote the Star Spangled Banner. He wove those themes in. He ended with the land of the free and the home of the brave. Uh, and, but it was it was predictable, it was completely predictable, that this is how the media would spin that last night.
12: We should
3: underscore this. That was in a live audience. There were several hundred people there. Some of them were in masks, not many. Uh, they were not particularly socially distanced, and reporters who were there last night in Baltimore talked to people in the crowd, and many of them said they were not tested for the coronavirus before they arrived. And you saw a video earlier, the vice president and the president sort of worked the rope line a little bit after the speech. Vice President Pence was even seen giving out handshakes and fist bumps, potentially being exposed to someone who was not tested for the virus.
1: <sighs> yep, that was predictable that the media would go in that direction. The mask, the mask. Listen, they got to do something. The, the, the Biden speech, it was fine for a Biden speech last week. Uh, but here's here's the the reality is that live audiences work better. The vice president is great before a live audience. The setting was remarkable. The the staging of the vice president's speech at Fort McHenry uh, with the flags and and the backdrop of the the fort was great. It was leaderly. It looked presidential. It was staged way better than uh, anything done at the Democratic Convention. It just objectively is true. You you may not like it if 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 you're a Democrat you may not like me to point that out but they did a very good job and what's remarkable about this honestly what is remarkable about it is that the Republicans have no Hollywood expertise to rely on by and large although uh, to be fair I, I I hear that um what is it Roma Downey's husband what Mark Burnett that that some uh, some of his crew may have helped. But, I mean, you're not talking – the Democrats could call Steven Spielberg to help them light and make, give themselves a cinema, cinemographic uh, look. And they, the Republicans have outclassed them in their convention, and it shows in the polling. It's remarkable that the vice president went to Fort McHenry and gave the speech, uh, and Joe Biden – I, I, where, where did Joe Biden, somewhere in Delaware I just, it, it floors me That that happened When you consider their agenda It's clear
11: Joe Biden would be nothing more than a Trojan horse For the radical left The choice in this election has never been clearer And the stakes have never been higher Last week Joe Biden said "Democracy's on the ballot And the truth is, our economic recovery is on the ballot. Law and order are on the ballot. But so are things far more fundamental and foundational to our country. In this election, it's not so much whether America will be more conservative or more liberal, more Republican or more Democrat. The choice in this election is whether America remains America. It's whether we will leave to our children and our grandchildren a country grounded in our highest ideals of freedom, free markets, and the unalienable right to life and liberty, or whether we will leave them a country that's fundamentally transformed into something else.
1: A couple of more from the vice president.
11: They came to crush our revolution, to divide our nation, and to end the American experiment. The heroes who held this fort took their stand for life, liberty, freedom, and the American flag. And those ideals have defined our nation. But they were hardly ever mentioned at last week's Democratic National Convention. Instead, Democrats spent four days attacking America. Joe Biden said that we were living through a season of darkness. But as President Trump said, where Joe Biden sees American darkness, we see American greatness. In these challenging times, our country needs a president who believes in America.
1: You know, as I mentioned ahead of time, I, I like the vice president. I, I think his pace was probably a little bit too slow in his speech. He, he could have sped it up. He, he could have he sped it up. That That's, that's his cadence, though. Uh, but he did a very good job going after Joe Biden without doing it in a nasty way. Uh, even, even CNN had to concede that last night, the job of the vice president tends to be the attack dog. Now, one of the questions here that a lot of people are asking is, is why did he do it this way? Because Donald Trump relishes being the attack dog. Donald Trump's the guy who wants to be the, I've got a theory. We'll find out tonight if I'm right or not. And I'm willing to admit I could be wrong tomorrow. I'll tell you guys I was wrong or not. Um, I, I do think the president's going to go after Joe Biden some, uh, but normally the president likes for himself to be the attack dog and, and for Pence to be the nice guy. So, so why did Pence do this? I have a theory. My suspicion is that the president is trying to sound presidential tonight. In the face of a hurricane and in the face of riots, the president wants to sound leaderly and above the partisan attacks against Joe Biden. And he'll go into it some, but I think, by and large, he's leaving most of it to Pence so he can be the president tonight. And, of course, you know exactly what's going to happen when he does that. If the president really does this, what's going to happen is the media is going to lose their mind. That's not really him. (coughs) That's not really Donald Trump. This this is a lie. This is not the real Donald Trump. Where's the real—what happened to Donald Trump? It's going to cause them to lose their head, lose their mind. If anything, this week's Republican convention— has been systematically designed to cause media talking heads to expose themselves uh, as as far left hacks. Consider uh, Yamiche Alcindor; she is the uh, White House correspondent for PBS Newshour. Madison Cawthorn stood at the end of his speech. Madison Cawthorn is the 25 year old running for Congress. As a Republican in North Carolina. And at the end of his speech, people brought out a walker. Two guys brought out a walker, and he stood at the end and quoted part of the Pledge of Allegiance. This is her tweet. This is a this is a reporter. This is a not a pundit. This is a reporter. This is her tweet. Madison Cawthorn made it a point to stand suggesting that all Americans should stand during the Pledge of Allegiance and National Anthem. It was a direct rebuke of actions by people, including black athletes who are currently sitting out games, protesting police brutality. Okay, then. Do you know what? Uh, the goodwill that Black Lives Matters protesters earned in the wake of George Floyd, it's all fizzling out now. And the NBA canceling games to protest, boycotting games, it's not generating goodwill with fans. Mark my words here, one of the biggest problems the Democrats have in the members of the media who support them and NBA players— is they live in a bubble where everyone gives them an attaboy for this sort of garbage, and the average American is livid with them. They're livid with Vice President Biden for taking so long to say anything about the the violence. They're livid at the Democrats for not talking about it at their convention. They're livid at the media for standing in front of burning buildings saying it's peaceful protests. They're mad as all get out at the NBA for keeping their mouths shut about China while preaching here and canceling games to protest. They're mad at the, the WNBA, those who even knew there was WNBA, for walking off the court when the national anthem played. They're, the American people have had enough of this stuff. And the Democrats don't understand. You get a hint that the polling is starting to reflect it because you've got guys like Joe Biden and and the governors of Oregon and Minnesota finally coming out and saying, enough with the rioting. This has got to stop. They waited and they waited and they waited. It happened and happened and happened. It's been going on for over 80 days in Portland, Oregon. And only now are they coming out and saying, you know what? Maybe this isn't a good idea, guys. Yes, because the polling has shifted dramatically on them. I did go back to 2016 and I looked at the Pew polling for the top 15 issues in America in 2016 on the ballot. Do you know what was not in the top 15 Crime. Do you know where it is now? Number five issue in America. Do you know where it was last year? It was not in the top 20. Do you know where it was the year before? It was not in the top 20. Do you know where it was the year before? It was not in the top 20. It is the number five issue in the United States of America right now is crime. The number seven issue in the United States is gun control. And Donald Trump beats Joe Biden with independent, unaffiliated voters on all of those questions. Crime and guns are Republican territory right now. And by the way, four years ago, guns were in the top 10 issues and the Democrats had the advantage in the polling. And now suddenly Donald Trump does. Why? Because Americans see what's going on in the American streets and they don't like it. And they see that these streets are run by Democratic politicians who have turned a blind eye to it until the polling shifted against them. And Americans do not really like that a politician waits for the polling to change before they take a stand. They actually like leaders who will take a stand up front. And Joe Biden waited for the polling to shift before he said a damn word. And that is going to come back on him. And it's already happening in the polling. Donald Trump, to review, here at the end, before I go to break, Nate Cohen, it's not me, it's the New York Times reporting, Donald Trump got the bounce from the Democratic Convention. Why do you think that is? Politics, news,
2: religion. Eric Erickson talks about all the things you're not supposed to talk about. Every weekday. And some cooking, too. Uh
1: Uh-oh. We got red alert here. This is happening now. Breaking news. Let's see if I can get this fired up for you so you can hear this. This is Nancy Pelosi just now at a press conference on Capitol Hill. Since you asked about that,
13: I myself just... Don't tell anybody I told you this, especially don't tell Joe Biden. I don't think that there should be any debates. I do not think that the president of the United States has comported himself in a way that anybody should, and has any association with truth, evidence, data and facts. I wouldn't I wouldn't legitimize a conversation with him nor a debate in terms of the presidency of the United States. Now, I know that the Biden campaign thinks in a different way about this. But I just I thought what he did in the uh, 2016 was disgraceful, stalking Hillary Clinton like that. I was disappointed that the press didn't say, go back to your station. You're not here. You not on this stage, you are you have your own podium. She has hers. So I I think that he'll probably act in a way that is beneath the dignity of the presidency. He does that every day, Uh, but I think he will also belittle what the debates are supposed to be about, and they're not to be about uh, the skullduggery on the part of somebody who has no um, respect for the office he holds, uh, much less the democratic process why else would he try to undermine the elections in the manner in which he is doing,
1: undermining the elections in the manner, which is, um, um, (laughs) the the first reply to this video on Twitter is she's never gotten over that house falling on her sister. (laughs) Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, you, you know they they can gussy this up as they want, but you know Joe Biden for twenty five minutes in front of a teleprompter is not Joe Biden. Um, off the top of his head for two hours with Donald Trump, and uh, th- this growing idea on the left that there's no reason to debate Donald Trump is just going to f- fuel the flames of Republicans who argue that Joe Biden isn't mentally competent to this. You know, you know they're sending Kamala Harris out tonight. To, uh, to 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 um, to attack Donald Trump in the run up to his speech. They're sending Kamala Harris out to do a pre-battle of Donald Trump's speech. Why are they sending out Joe? Biden? now she's playing the attack dog role. They want Joe Biden to be leaderly. That's honestly why they're doing it. Uh, But Biden, eh, out on his feet without taking questions from reporters and stuff, uh, this is going to be an issue for the Democrats. You know, the Republicans don't just throw this stuff out there. Now, okay, the president throws stuff out there, but the Republicans do take time to focus group this stuff. This is why the Republicans are making law and order such a big message. They know it's a winning issue for them. And the Democrats in their bubble— have not engaged on the issue. The Democrats in their bubble have not connected that this is actually a problem for them until recently, which is why they completely ignored law and order issues on the stage of the Democratic convention. And now they're having to get Joe Biden to come out and say, this is wrong. He could have done it last week on stage. Did you know, I think I mentioned this to you yesterday, a majority of Americans, not a majority of registered voters, not a majority of of likely voters, a majority of Americans, adult Americans believe Biden supports defunding the police. That's not actually true, but a majority of Americans believe it because he never pushed back on it last week on stage, and most of the people around him actually do support defunding the police. They've they they they've gotten overconfident, I think, the Democrats have. This gives the president an opportunity to exploit it for victory if he's careful with it.
0: If you have an unpaid debt to the IRS that you can't pay, please hear this special notice. Specially approved IRS relief programs designed to aid delinquent taxpayers are now in effect that can significantly improve your financial situation. Depending on your circumstances, you may qualify to have your tax problem resolved in your favor and may even have your back taxes reduced by thousands or eliminated entirely. A relief hotline has been established by Community Tax for you to call and see if you qualify at 800-305-6762. If you owe the IRS back taxes that you can't afford to pay, don't let the IRS trick you into thinking you have no way out. Our highly accredited tax professionals will let you know what you qualify for and how much you can save. We may be able to stop all liens, garnishments, levies, and save you thousands. Call and see if you qualify for this taxpayer relief at 800-305-6762. That's 800-305-6762.